Welcome to our audience. We are now in the second episode of our show, Cyber Prophets, prophesizing the future of IT. And today we have with us a very special guest, Xavier Vasquez. We'll talk about him in a while. First of all, I would like to introduce my co-host, Federico Navarrete. Federico. Welcome, everyone. As always, we are here to prophesize the future of technology and to share you some new ideas that can change your way of living. Thank you very much, Federico. Now, coming back to our special guest, Xavier. Xavier has a very interesting background. He's coming from a Latin American country, but he's now living in Russia. In fact, he has done a master's degree in Russia. He was a scholarship holder at a university called Innopolis, and now he's doing a PhD there. So that's why he is very and very specialized in the topic of research, research in IT. What's going to be the future of it? This is very interesting because we all know that technology is what drives our days. Every day we use technology for basically everything. So research and what's coming next in the future is a very important topic. And Xavier will tell us about more about his research and more about what he is working on. Xavier, welcome to the show. Hello, Edgar. Hello, Federico. I'm really happy to be here. It's my first experience doing this kind of podcast. I hope this uh, meeting will be, uh, I mean, we will enjoy this meeting. We, can, we will have the opportunity to talk about research, to talk about uh, this amazing project called Innopolis. Innopolis is not just about the universe. Innopolis is about one big city, about technology. We have companies, we have the people here, and we have at this amazing university. Probably later you will have the chance to visit us and you will see what we are doing here. Thank you very much, Xavier. And we're really glad that you accepted our invitation to participate with us. So we said that you are doing a PhD now, right? So yeah. could you please tell us a little bit more about your research? What is your research about? Yeah, actually, uh, we're trying to estimate or we're trying to profile applications any kind of application and what we want to say what we want to know is about the power consumption of each application that you are running in your device for example you run every day you run uh word processors spreadsheets web browsers different different kind of application but we want to be sure that the the power impact of each application for now some of operating systems they implement some energy model for example windows has so energy model, Mac has different energy model, but we want to create some standard for different operating system, Linux, Windows, Mac, doesn't matter. And what can you tell us more about your city? Because you said that it's a technological city that, let's say it's a smart city, do you have specific, let's say, unique things in that place? Because it sounds like a cool place to visit. Yeah, actually, it's really, really amazing. Before to, I mean, as I think this city has about five years. It's really, really new. But what is the advantage here is that every company has the opportunity to test every any kind of project. For example, now here we have Yandex. Yandex is the biggest company in Russia about technology. And they're implementing two big 
right here. One is the cell drive card. So we have about five taxis here, self drive. So there is no taxi driver and you can order taxi to go everywhere around the city. And the second amazing trick is a self delivery robot. What it means that you can order something to some cafes or to some restaurant and you will get the order via this robot. Now with this pandemic, it's really useful because there is no contact anymore. Wow, like uh, I'm impressed about this city. I have never heard of it, but it sounds like quite a, a focus of innovation. Would you say that this is something like the Russian Silicon Valley? Yeah, actually, that, that's true. I mean, that, there's an idea behind this, you see. But uh, it's not the only city among Russia. There is another city in Moscow, there is another city in St. Petersburg. But for Kazan, this is the, let's say, the Silicon Valley for Kazan. Yeah. And um, what has been the most interesting project that you have seen in that area of Kazan? In Kazan, uh, to be honest, I, I'm not really sure because most of my time I spent it here in this in, in this city. But the most amazing project is this cell drive taxi. For me, it was really amazing. Now they are improving it. Now we have soups and we have drugs, the same concept. They just want to extend it, and it's really amazing. Every day you see the, the drugs or the, or the subs running around the city. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a dream. I mean, yeah, oh, sometimes you see it in the, in the television that, oh, you know, they are trying to do something, but yeah. here you're seeing it in real life. Even, I mean, if you have the talent, you can go to that company and try to participate in that project. Have you ever participated in, in one of these? Uh, no, I, unfortunately, I didn't have the chance because uh, let's say that for, for now, my limitation is, a, is the language. Most of the projects are mm -hmm. conducted by Russian people. Mm -hmm. So in order to participate, you, you will need to, 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 to speak Russian, basically. I see, I see. Yeah, that, that's a big uh, limitation yeah. when you're a foreigner abroad. Yes. But probably in the future, the really future, maybe we'll try to, to participate. Um, coming back to the topic about your motivation about the, analyzing the power consumption of, in our devices, how this idea come, come to your head? Because it's something that I would say most of us, we don't even realize about it. We just forget it and, okay, let's put it aside. Yeah, actually, uh, I cannot say that this was my, uh, let's say, uh, it's, it's not, the, the, the motivation was not from me because I just come to the project because, uh, let's say that after finish our study, we need to work at least one year in this university or in this city. It's like... Uh, pay something back because uh, this university is sponsored by many companies that are hosted here. So we need to we need to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, so one professor invited me to participate in that project. I started to say, okay, so I say, at the beginning I say, for consumption, I don't know what is it, but okay, let's try. But slowly we are trying to realize what what, how, what is power consumption, how we really can track that. Because 
okay to say, uh, yeah, I can measure it. I can put some external device, but in fact, it's not what you need. You can measure the all the, the overall power consumption of one PC or mm -hmm. device, but track one specific application is really, really complicated. So the motivation behind that is the complexity. The complexity because you need to know really, really deep the all the functionalities, all the future that every operating system has and try to track it. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Like I cannot imagine how to measure the power consumption of every individual application. So yes. maybe we could go a little bit more in detail and talk more in depth about the research. Okay. And one of the main things in research is the methodology. Mm -hmm. Everything that comes about uh, doing some research and trying to find new fields has to be based on some methodology. Mm -hmm. what, what is the methodology you're using in this case? Well, so far, uh, every study that we have conducted start with the systematic literature review. That means we will review ton of papers, mm -hmm. yeah. 100, 200 papers. What we expected at the end of this task to have some research questions. Overall, we have an idea, power consumption, but we don't know how to start. So that's why we try to check what the people were doing before and try to get how we can improve those studies. Uh, then our plan is to, to create one hypothesis, design the experiment and run it. The, let's say the advantage here is we have students a lot of students, we have about 1,000 students. So, mm -hmm. how we can use them in order to collect some information. Then, with that information, we can extract some. Uh, so, at the end, we can come up with one conclusion and present it to our sponsors. So, let me just come up with a follow up question. And you said that you, you have a, at your disposition about a thousand students to collect information. Mm -hmm. So does this mean that the kind of tests you are performing are like basically empiric, empirical, like you are running them on these students? Um, for now, yes. I mean, before we, we check the, the work that had been done for another guys, <laughs> they the propose to implement different tools. Uh, so then they already implement some tools for, for Linux. There are a couple of uh, tools that they track, they measure this power consumption, but we want to create something broader, let's say. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the advantage is all, uh, most of the subjects that are related with coding, with, uh, with software, management, software design. Uh, it's about uh, uh, conduct projects. So we can somehow track the performance of each team uh, using the tool that we have developed. And, and have you noticed any specific challenge? Because you mentioned Linux, but we have Mac OS, we have Android, iOS, and mm -hmm. Windows, and perhaps even other Russian OSs or Chinese OSs that mm -hmm. have no idea 
Yeah. Have you noticed any specific challenge when you are dealing with other operating systems, especially the ones that are not open source? Because perhaps the main reason why Linux was chosen is that it's open source. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, yeah. Uh, as you said, it's really challenging, mostly for Linux. For Windows, let's say that is uh, kind of uh, common or just standard. Mac is a bit limited, the, the information that we can extract, but what we can get is is useful for us. But for Linux, the point is that we have a ton of distributions. For example, here at the beginning, we target uh, Debian-based distributions, but then we realize that some of our students, they have Arch-based distribution. So this means we need to recreate everything. But uh, the advantage is some of these students are really, really skilled. They have really impressive skill. So from time to time, they propose to, uh, to, to work with us. So they say, okay, have a different uh, operating system. So let's work together. Give me the chance to help you. And probably for that way, okay, you know, uh, they can get some extra points or they can keep some, some tasks. So it's, it's convenient. I mean, for the student, because they have the chance to, to participate in our project, to get some experience, and for us, because we get uh, more information and more tools. And besides uh, the access that you have to your CSK test, what other facilities do, does the university offer you in order to perform your research? Well, uh, it, it depends. I mean, for example, for, for our case, uh, we don't need something additional, some additional equipment, some additional devices. We, we don't require things. Uh, but we have other kind of labs. For example, we have robotic labs. They have really big devices. They have robotic arms. They have cars. They have drones. So. If you're talking about this kind of facilities, yeah, they have it. So everything is at your disposition there. Yeah. And based on the papers and the things that you have read, because you told us you have read hundreds, perhaps 200 or even, I don't know how many papers. Do you think that there is enough research to your area? Because maybe there are a mix of thousands of different papers, but they don't really add you anything valuable to you? Do you think that we have enough information? I think we have it. The, point, the problem that, uh, that I realize is uh, this information, this knowledge is not, uh, is not transferred to, 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 to the students, to the industry. Because what we usually do is to teach how to code. What the, what the people get from the university, how to code, how to create one app, how to create one graphical interface. Then, okay, you will go to the industry, you will work, and that's it. Probably you will not, you will start to learn some different frameworks, mm. but you will never put attention on how much electricity you were using, if your code is really efficient. No, because it's not a task. The task is, you need to put a blue box here and you will put it. Probably the blue box is not really efficient in terms of electricity who knows we don't know we are not we are not really aware of the power consumption in any topic 
probably the most, uh, let's say, the people who is really aware of that, from my perspective, is the hardware people. Because they are constantly trying to create more efficient hardware. But from the software perspective, we don't really care about it. And we usually, we, we, we don't usually do that. That is true. Like, uh, I personally, as a software developer, I take this for granted. And I have never thought about the power consumption of my machine or when I am coding. So I am very glad that there are people out there actually performing some research on this topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now... Actually, uh, what the plan for us is uh, create these, these, these tools, create a framework, and then try to implement it in the industry. Because then the, the people, the, the company, they will have some insights about the power consumption of their applications. So, so your plan is to reach these, like the hardware producers and propose no, 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 the like producers. the software producers. The software producers. No. I see, I see, I see. So you will be focusing on the fo on the software side, yeah. uh, in order to get to know how how much they are using in, in every yeah. application. So will this be like some sort of add-on or like some plugin? Well, so far what we have. It's kind of uh, data collectors. Collectors that you, you will install in your in your computer. We will track uh, the processes in your computer. Mm -hmm. Probably some people is a bit afraid of sharing this personal information. Yeah, privacy, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we, we will get it. Uh, and the end, uh, this information will be provided to the manager. Mm -hmm. And then. Uh, we're already working in some dashboards, some fancy charts that will give this information to, I mean, to the people who can take decision, who, the, the decision makers at the end. Uh, because if this information never reaches these people, they will never do something. Yeah, that is totally true. But now that you mentioned this, uh, the data collectors, mm -hmm. and that is tracking the processes in your PC, like, yeah. I'm not aware of how the laws regarding privacy are in Russia, but for mm -hmm. instance, here in Europe, we mm -hmm. have the GDPR, and the mm -hmm. GDPR was enforced like last year. Mm -hmm. And for every piece of information that you track in someone's computer, they have to give you a consent. So how will you tackle these kind of situations? So far, I think it's something that we need to work on it. Uh, I mentioned it to my manager several times. And I think he's working on that with the lawyer department. department. So yeah. I hope we will solve it soon. Because, yeah, uh, yeah as you mentioned, it, uh, Europe has different policies. And we it's want a... to work with some, uh, some other universities in Europe. So we need to have this kind of agreement. And just to just to clarify, does uh, does Russia have anything similar to GDPR, some law regarding the privacy? Uh, to be honest, I cannot say anything because I'm not really expert in Russian policies. I see, I see. Yeah. Um, but I believe that that kind of research that you are doing, especially that the European Union and let's say general. The entire world is trying to reduce the carbon, food, carbon food, footprint. 
And it's mm-hmm. something that is affecting all of us. It can encourage others to join to your team. Do you think that that there is enough research like about this analysis? Because your analysis is can bring us this about the carbon footprint. Do you think there is mm-hmm. enough data for to persuade the, the other guys to join you? Mm, we, we hope that. I mean, uh, I cannot uh, I cannot say that. Okay, based on our research, we went we will attract more people. Mm-hmm. They will work on the same field. But we hope. Uh, but how we can get it is showing that we have a really a really big problem there. That there is a really big issue in terms of power consumption, and nobody cares about it. Uh, at the beginning, what we can do is try to introduce this issue to our students. We can say, okay, we were tracking this information. We know that there is an issue. And in this university, we will try to address it somehow. But then, yeah, hopefully more people will join to this this topic. We hope so too. And now uh, I would like to focus on a very specific uh, topic, Xavier, mm-hmm. which is very trendy nowadays. Okay. And that is IoT. Okay. As you know, like IoT is basically it's... now just like booming and yeah. it's everywhere. But all of these devices require now a data connection or a Bluetooth connection. They need to be connected to the internet. And this just seems to be increasing our carbon footprint. So... Uh, what do you think about uh, the proliferation of the IoT devices? Do you think they are going to expand our carbon footprint? Yeah, actually, I mean, uh, in terms of electricity, for sure they will do it. But need to, we need to think about the the plastic waste, uh, other kind mm-hmm. of metals. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's not only about electricity, but it's really amazing that. Everything that we're buying now is connected. Even the toothbrushes. The toothbrushes. Oh, yes. <laughs> they have Bluetooth connection. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand why. But okay. They, they have uh, let's say, wireless charging. They have Bluetooth. They have, uh, some of them, they have Wi Fi connection. Why? Okay. Probably we need to track everything. Some people is aware to track everything that they are doing. But I think there should be a limit. I mean, there are some tasks that you can do it manually. I mean, you can yeah. you, you you can track how often you brush your teeth. You, you don't need such kind of special devices. But okay, it's innovation. Let's say it's a it's a trend. Everyone have wants to have a wireless tooth brush. Why? Because it's a trend. Looks mm-hmm. good. Let's say that it's more effective than the classic tooth brush. But what is next? At least it can give you notifications, right? <laughs> when <it's> yeah. <laughs> One reminder. Okay, it's time to brush your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But uh, for me, the point is, we need to have. I mean, we need to have this limit. It's good to have everything connected: light, toothbrushes, probably the toilet, the kitchen, everything. But as a human beings, we need to have a limit. And going a little bit deeper in these, let's say, hyper-connected things, 
like mm -hmm. I would say that for the last 10 years, we are moving more and more to the cloud. It's like where is in Azure, AWS, Google Cloud, uh, Yandex Cloud, and whatever yeah. other cloud that will appear. Any other kind of cloud. But something that I have noticed is that every time that we are building new technologies, and now that we have the Lambda things and know the AWS, the functions from Azure or whatever, we care less about optimization. We care less because, okay, we are going to send this new uh, serverless function and we don't care about how long it's going to take, uh, how is the deployment. Do you think that this is really affecting the, the software development? Because we are lazier as coders. We don't really care about those things. Well, uh, it's kind of tricky because uh, what is the problem, for example, with machine learning? Uh, there is some service provides. Uh, I mean, this kind of service are provided for this kind of platform. But who use machine learning? Sometimes they they are not really coders. They are not really programmers. The people who use machine learning algorithms, they are mathematicians. They don't know about how the machine works. What they expect is to load this bunch of data and this some result. What is between them? They don't care. So how? How to make these people aware to this electric consumption? I think there is not the, there is no point there because they will not create some uh, more optimal data models. They will not try to build, uh, let's say, more precise algorithms. But we can put this awareness to the people who is building these uh, machine learning algorithms to the people who work in infrastructure, the people who work in platform services. So to, to these kind of people, yeah, for sure we can put. Actually, some of these platforms, they provide some forecast tools. Mm -hmm. For example, AWS, they provide AWS forecast that they provide information about the electric consumption on your platform. I think Azure, they have the same. So uh, they are really aware of it. Yeah, for example, Another thing, when you <laughs> when you have a contract in the cloud, uh, uh, some of them they have limitation in terms in terms of bandwidth, in terms of I/O operations, in terms of RAM, in terms of CPU time. What it means? Power consumption, device utilization. So it means that they are really aware of it. It's important for them to optimize the electric consumption because it's basically what they, what, how they get the money, basically. Mm -hmm. Let's say that I, I agree with what you say, but like, something that I have noticed in a new trend in the cloud, mm -hmm. that is where I see the tricky point is related to the, that serverless, mm -hmm. because with a new serverless way of thinking, let's call it, it's like, I'm as a coder, I can code the worst code ever, I can just put it there, and since I'm charged by, by query, let's say, instead of RAM or anything, so I can put all garbage in the, in the cloud, and it can really consume a lot, but there will be no way to track it. Do you think that the companies needs to, even in these cases, needs to put like something that make people aware of that because as this new trend of using serverless functions, I, I would say that you can add all garbage that you want to the cloud and people will never realize. But yeah, but, but as I tell you, as I told you, uh, 
the problem is uh, I, am be I can be sure that these providers, Azure, Amazon, they provide information about resource utilization. But the people who code it, who create this kind of function, they will not put attention on it. If you, if you check the, the, the Azure dashboard, for example, they have a ton of information about your app performance. The people check it, who knows? That, 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 is, that, that, is, that, that is the point here. Yeah. How do you think that we could increase the awareness of these people, of the developers? Sorry, can you repeat it, please? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so you were mentioning that uh, these people, they do not pay attention to what's in the Azure dashboard. Mm -hmm. So. How do you think that we could increase the awareness so that people will be more conscious about their power consumption of what they are doing? I cannot say that. Uh, let's try to make this uh, information accessible to the people is, is the best way. But uh, I think the motivation could be the money. I mean, you would try to raise a bit the fees, probably mm -hmm. in the people will think about it because okay if everything is cheap you can waste everything yeah if you can afford it you will waste it so for me the point is at least in this cloud platform it should be about the money right i mean it's something that just came to my mind that put additional fee for this carbon footprint. Makes total sense to me. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's a good solution. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you will not save the planet, but at least the people will have the chance to do to, to things about it. Yeah, yeah. For example, so, when, when, you use a, when you use a plane, in some companies they put the carbon footprint. Oh, yeah. You mm -hmm. care about it? No. But they said, okay, we'll give the information to our customers. Why? Regulation. Yeah, I think maybe we need to consider this new tax for the cloud, for the bad usage of, of resources. Yeah. Now let's let's go to a different, I have a, a let's say an interesting question that okay. is related to the, to the ARM devices, because mm -hmm. in, from my knowledge, let's say the ARM devices consume less energy. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the new trend, like the one that Mac, let's say Apple started recently to release, let's say the new Macs with ARM will reduce the carbon footprint or the electricity consumption, or it will be more or less the same? Well, I, I would like to say yes, but I'm not really sure why. Uh, yeah, as you, as you said, uh, now Mac released a new version of these Macs with the this N1 chip, mm -hmm. but I saw a couple of videos, a couple of studies that this chip is not really it's not really well done yet. So mm -hmm. some of them are defect of fabrications. So probably it's not time to say okay, this chip will change the world. But for sure, which you are true, this uh, our architecture is much more efficient than. That. The, the the Intel or X86 architecture, so I, I think it's a really good opportunity to try. I mean, 
Matt is really brave to introduce these new technologies in, in PCs, basically. But uh, we, we need to be, we, we need to check, we need to check. And yeah, I hope that uh, it is, it won't be just a, just a trend. Why? Because for Mac, would be really, really easy. Now, because they will implement the same chip everywhere. Your yeah. iPhone will have it, your iPad will have the same chip, and your Mac will have the same chip. What is the difference? Uses, basically, at the end. So, yeah. But probably the next five years, I hope we will see different implementations. Yeah. Well, yeah. And do you, do you think that it will be possible that all of the other companies will also transition to ARM to the ARM architecture? Uh, as far as I remember, Windows has ARM support. So I don't know how efficient is it. But I think that the people is working on that. And the people is really working in this, in this transition. But it depends on the market. I mean, the the people who will buy it. Yeah, every year you see different devices, different technologies. But then, if the people don't support them, yeah. because the the probably this, uh, for, for example, this this new Mac is a bit expensive. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's not, it's not that flexible. For example, you cannot increase the the RAM. You cannot change the hard drive, as far as I know. So. You, you 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 will better think about it before to to buy it. Mm -hmm. Instead of the, the the previous technology that you can change everything, you can change the RAM, you can change the hard drive, or probably you can change the CPU. But if you put everything in one single chip, yeah, then uh, at least in my case, it will be a, a problem. Mm -hmm. if, if in one year I want to upgrade my hardware, how to do that? Yeah. yeah, as a developer, I need to be sure what I am trying to buy. And you visualize that maybe in the next, I don't know, 50 or 100 years, there will be some transition, but not from the small computers, mm -hmm. but I mean the large industry, like the, the supercomputers, like the ones that are in Russia, China, in the US, but the really large one that would be a transition to ARM. As I said, this is a very, very long vision. It's yeah. like to to be honest, I cannot give you an answer about it because uh, the supercomputers is totally a different business. What they mm -hmm. want is really powerful computers, and I'm not really sure these ARM chips can have the same power as x thirty six or x sixty four chips. Uh, another thing that uh, nowadays is impacting is, uh, uh, let's say, these uh, Bitcoin farms. Yeah. So if you see, they, they want really brutal power. I mean, you will have a ton of graphic cards mining Bitcoins. Who cares about the power impact there? Who cares about the carbon footprints there? Yeah. They want to mine, they want to get some money. Yeah, probably they will have a couple of dollars, a couple of euros at the end. But what is the impact of the environment? 
you see, in IT, for one hand, you want to decrease the power impact, but for another hand, you are trying to create something worse. So, in IT, we have this, this problem. Yeah, and like, just to, uh, I'm very curious about this topic, the, about the supercomputers. So do you know, uh, Xavier, if there are, if there is any research focused on the power consumption on supercomputers? Mm -mm. I don't know. To be that you're aware of. No. But I think it's a good idea to, 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 to check. Unfortunately, yeah. we don't have any supercomputer in this university, but uh, I think we have some, some agreements with other universities that they may implement this kind of, of computers. Well, if you would like to, let's say, find an agreement or a university, you can mm -hmm. contact the one that I, where I used to study in Poland. Okay. Lodz University of Technology, they have a supercomputer next to the airport that they build it, that built it from mm -hmm. scratch. Okay. That yeah, I, I would be glad to have this contact because, yeah, for now we're tracking just say, user devices, but yeah, why not to, to, to check what is the efficiency in a supercomputer? Yeah, I am aware of that one because it was built by my university like four or five years ago, and yeah, it's running next to the airport. Okay. I'm not sure what kind of, well, I, I know more or less what kind of experiments they are working on because they are mostly working with the with the things related from the space of the EU. Okay. But I'm not sure what kind of projects are running, but yeah, it's related to those projects on the space. Okay, great. Yeah. Now I would like to talk a bit about research per se. Mm -hmm. And so you, Xavier, as a researching in IT, mm -hmm. what kind of tools are you using to perform your research? Mm. You mean about my personal research or in general? Because well, actually, like, let's talk about let's talk talks about the the ones that you use, and okay. if you know any other in general, you could like, also okay. mention. Uh, for me, to for example, to write a paper, we use uh, Overleaf. There is a latex uh, editor on the cloud. So it's really convenient for us because we can create the template and we can write the papers over there. Mm. Let's say that is uh, the most common tool that we use in order to publish uh, papers. Then to conduct my research, to get my information, uh, everything they create their, their own tools. I mean, for example, in my case, mm -hmm. we have developed so far five collectors for each specific operating system. Mm -hmm. Then have about seven additional agents to track uh, information for external systems. And we have uh, about five or six services in the backend. So everything they create their own tools. I mean, at least to, to, to when you reach this experimentation phase. Yeah, so this, these data collectors that you mentioned are mm -hmm. your own code? Not by myself, because we have a team. Uh -huh. Aha, yeah. yeah, but that's what yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, we are on the team. We are about six six guys. Okay. The manager, the professor who is in charge of the, the whole research. Mm -hmm. uh, we have two data science guys. Uh, one additional person who is in charge of more or less writing and checking papers. In my case, I'm more about uh, backing and Windows expert. Additionally, we have three, well, four students, yeah, who who are helping to us because uh, their tests are somehow related. For example, we have one guy who is tracking um, the Android efficiency, another mm -hmm. who is in charge of Linux again, and we have two data scientists who works in data analysis. So we already have the platform, we already have the services, we have the data, but these two guys, they're doing really, really amazing job trying to understand what we have collected and how mm. we, yeah. yeah. It's important for the interpretation of data. Yeah. Yes. So if, if I understand correctly, uh -huh. most of your data is coming from empirical sources. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you also perform some systematic literature review for mm -hmm. papers. Yeah, papers. Yeah. Now, could, could you could you recommend any data sources or any places where uh, our audience could go mm -hmm. and look for papers uh, for other people in our audience who are performing research as well? Okay. Uh, the most common source that we use is ResearchGate. So mm -hmm. we go there and try to get as much papers as we can. Mm -hmm. uh, if we have really concrete uh, topic from time to time, we try to look for books. Uh, unfortunately, we, we will not have a book for energy efficiency because, yeah, okay, <laughs> it's not written yet, but probably at the end yeah. of this research, we'll have the chance to, to, to write a book. Maybe it will be your first book. Yeah, books. why not? <laughs> it's always a nice challenge, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually have three years to finish, so I think in three years I can, I will have the chance to write. No. <laughs> Perfect. We'll have another interview in three years, and you will be introducing you to your book <laughs> about energy efficiency. Exactly. <laughs> Now we have spoken about about many many things. Um, mm -hmm. Let's say, what has been your experience about researching IT in Russia in general? What is your experience? How do you see it? Well, for now, for, uh, for I mean, for for my personal case, is amazing experience. I cannot dream with something better than here, for example, at least in this city, wow. this particular city. Why? Because as I mentioned it before, we have everything. We have any kind of research mm -hmm. it's a perfect place to conduct research even to work here i mean it's kind of dream but i cannot talk about some uh, uh, classical russian universities because it's another story uh, i never been there so i don't I, I don't want to talk some something that i don't know yeah mm -hmm. I guess it, it must be very exciting to be there, like in the cradle of technology where everything is being built. Yeah. And, and you mentioned at the beginning of the 
of the interview that there were some studies about like the self delivery or mm -hmm. some self driving taxi as well. So, uh, what other like hot topics can you tell us about? Mm, well, uh, as far as I know, there is another team who is working in. Uh, yeah, uh, how to, how to say? Uh, well, there are some guys who are working in agile to to define new agile methodologies. It's not only about uh, IT devices or coding. We have different kind of laboratories. So some of them they are working more on process, IT process. Uh, they want to create some more efficient processes for IT. Some of them they are related with uh, medical devices. So that's why we have this uh, brain activity tracker. And here we have ton of companies that are conducting research in terms of blockchain. We have a couple of companies that are really, really focused on that. We have a couple of them working on uh, machine learning. Ton of them. Uh, recently, I know one guy who is working in uh, computer gaming uh, stream. Uh, they they create a platform who is, uh, well they provide a platform to play video games and you can stream it everywhere. I mean you can have any kind of device cell on your not that powerful laptop and anyway you will have the chance to to play any kind of video game. So this kind of companies they are really aware of how efficient is the code. Mm. I, I have a. a a really funny, let's say, conversation or anecdote, uh, because uh, I know this guy because uh, his girlfriend is working with me. She's a data scientist, but for her, every task takes, let's say, a couple of minutes, couple of hours. It's okay for her so to process data, but for him, it's not acceptable. Every operation should be performed in a couple of seconds or milliseconds. <laughs> So whenever to, whenever she says something that, oh, I need to wait two hours to finish, he say, no, everything should be done in two milliseconds. I'm like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> they are totally different visions. But anyway, they have really, really, really good relationship. Really, really nice people. Yeah, but uh, now we have uh, they are building the second build for companies. So we mm -hmm. hope that we will have much more opportunities to to conduct a search. Mm, incredible. Yeah. Also, I hear that there one company who is trying to predict uh, flight delays. Trying to predict what? Flight delay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the new host will be S7, that is a Russian company, as far as I know. And they are trying to work on this. Yeah, based on weather conditions, this coronavirus, mm -hmm. many other external factors that we'll try to predict if the flight will be delayed or, or not, let's say. From what we have heard, you have mostly experienced, let's say, I would say in a professional PhD, that, that is, I would say something very, very common. In Europe, generally, you see the other kind of PhDs, like they call it the to call them for passion, I would like to call it that you do it because 
in an educational mode, but not in a real company. Have you ever noticed a, like a peculiar difference when you have spoken with another PhD student from a non-professional background? Let's say a regular guy who finished his master's degree, who never worked and directly jumped to the PhD. Yeah, for sure we have uh, this kind of students. Uh, actually, my team is composed with people who never work in the industry. And the only person who works in the industry who has, let's say, real experience. But, yeah. for example, how do you see the difference in, 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 in the way of working? Because you have already the experience and you're working in a corporate, let's call it a professional PhD, and the other ones is like a regular PhD. I think for them it's much more easy to 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 look in, in, in different directions because for mm -hmm. me I really have I really set with something so I, from time to time they propose different ideas but I say what what is going on there why do we need to do that I mean if you try to apply it in the real world we don't really need that. For example, uh, this, uh, this topic about energy consumption. Mm -hmm. In the real world, I mean, you will never be aware of it. You still the point that you reach this place, that they reach this place, the people start to talk about it, then it's okay, yeah, they are right. This is a really important topic. So why not? Let's try to, let's try to do something good here. So that is the main difference. And also related to these differences between like uh, uh, research at a student level or research at a professional level, I can see a very distinctive difference, and that is regarding the budget. So let me ask you, Xavier, in your in your research, mm -hmm. how do you manage budget in your project now? Well, actually, uh, I'm not in charge to manage the budget because. Uh, when I came to the when I came to the group, when I joined to them, uh, mm -hmm. the research was already started. Uh, mm. yeah, okay. yeah. They, they already start this process, but hopefully the next year we need to we need to provide. We need to start with a new grant proposal. So hopefully the next year I will have that that kind of experience. But mm -hmm. how how I can try to explain you how this kind of, uh, let's say, topic works. Mm -hmm. uh, usually you have one idea, you need to make a, you need to make a proposal, and you need mm -hmm. to apply for grants. Okay. Hopefully here in this amazing content, we have the opportunity to apply really different grants, and we can apply several times. So that's why it's really, really nice here. So it's yeah. like the an organization is like giving contests and you just apply for this grant and if you get it then they will become your sponsors yeah. to some extent. Yeah, 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 yeah. And every year uh, you provide uh, you provide a report about what you have been doing during the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you get the approval, I mean if they really uh, like what you were doing. They will approve the next year. I see. Yeah. If they, if you are not doing, if you are doing anything, okay, they will say, okay, bye. 
then you will need to try to find something. Sounds very competitive in that, yeah. in that yeah. sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, uh, and now it's more much more it's much more complicated because uh, for this coronavirus, most of these sponsors they are uh, they yeah. have much, <laughs> they have less money, so they cannot uh, provide us this kind of sponsorship. Yeah. And let's suppose that someone would like to join you, or someone would like to apply to these master programs or PhDs in Russia. Mm -hmm. How will they apply? Is it any specific procedure, or how did you discover it? In fact, but actually, for me, I, uh, for yeah, for for me, it was kind of uh, lucky experience. Uh, as you may know, Edgar applies to several places several times. I remember that he was frustrated sometimes. He said, "Oh, I I made a really amazing job, but." I didn't get the chance. Okay, uh, I was kind of skeptical about to, to to apply to some kind of scholarship or this kind of opportunities, but I checked it in for international affairs minister. You have a list of of opportunities that you can apply. Check Russia mm -hmm. Inopolis University. I didn't know anything about this university. So I said, okay, let's try. And one, two months, uh, everything was solved. Yeah, it was. It was very fast. Really fast, really easy. They just asked me if I can somehow speak English, my diploma, if I can get some visas. And I said, okay, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. But for in order to study the, the, the bachelor here is really, really challenging. Here in this particular university we have, I think we have the top students. Among Russia, we have the best ones. Wow. Yeah, most of them they have, they, they won some hackathons or they had the, the best scores in their, uh, uh, let's say, high schools. Uh, even the people who come from 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 another country, you all of them they are absolutely amazing. You 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 will yeah. You try to find something that, uh, let's say, not that skill. Uh, it's kind of impossible. Mm. Even when you are trying to teach something. They will have the chance to 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 to, 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 to teach you something as well. I mean, not because they want to to challenge you. It's not. It's because they are really skilled. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you must must be very smart to be doing yeah. a PhD there, Xavier. I'm really impressed. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm really glad to have this. And now. Uh, Mm -hmm. Can you repeat it again? No, uh, no, I just mentioned that I'm really glad to have this opportunity. I mean, to start the master and now then moving on to the PhD. Moving on to the PhD, yes. So, Xavier, we're going to talk right now about the future. What are your views about the future? 
So how do you think that the research of IT will look in five years from now? Do you think that there will be the same topics or that there will be new things going around? Uh, I told you, I mean, I cannot say that they will, they will be stuck in some problem. It's, it's impossible to say that. Uh, when I came to the project, it was just about energy consumption. Now yeah. we're talking about, uh, now we want to somehow correlate this information with uh, brain activity to understand uh, programmer emotions. We want to understand uh, much more deeper about the, the developer itself. So every time the people are trying to innovate, to find something new. So yeah, I, I hope, and I really, uh, yeah, I hope that they will, they will have several ways to, to, to innovate. It's impossible to say it. They will be in the same place. And let's say as a final question, if there mm -hmm. will be some, let's say topics that you will advise people to research, which one, which one, there will, which one would you advise to the people to do the research? Well, uh, I think something important nowadays is algorithms. We need to create much more mm. efficient algorithms. Uh, if you may know, most of them are really, really old. And recently, we don't have any new algorithms. And now we have another, I mean, another, uh, another scenario. Probably for 60s or 70s, this kind of algorithm were perfect, but now we need to we need to find much much better, and design pattern, design pattern for cloud, design pattern for IoT. Mm -hmm. uh, it's another research area. So you have heard it, folks. It is now time to start learning algorithms and design patterns once yeah. again. Perfect. Yeah. So uh, I think this concludes uh, our today's episode. Federico, do you want to say some last words? Hopefully you will see new research, more people changing, uh, let's say, our world, and see more important changes and reducing our carbon footprint because that work that Javier is doing is really important because many times, especially as software developers, we completely forget it. Hopefully in three years we will have Xavier's book, and here we will know the first preview. So, revealing to you the secrets of how to be how to become an efficient coder. And also, Xavier, thanks to you for being in our shows. Do you do you have any last words for our audience? Well, for the audience, please ah, be more proactive. Try to learn something new every day because it's really really important as a coder. Put more attention on your code. It's not only about functionality. And for these two guys, I'm really glad to have me here. Uh, it was my first experience having the uh, this podcast. And yeah, I am really surprised how, how we're doing today. Thank you very much, Xavier. I really enjoyed this conversation with you. Thanks, Federico. And thanks to our audience who was listening to us all this time. We'll see you next time in another episode of Cyber Profits.